Any of us have uh, had trials, amen? We've had many opportunities to not keep the faith. Say, I'm just going to go my own way and not trust God anymore. I title my message, Dreams of Time Gone By, because one of my favorite movies is Les Miserables. Now, a lot of you probably wouldn't like it because it's all singing. Okay, all singing. So, and if you do go watch it now this afternoon, because it'll be raining and it'd be perfect, right? Just go sit on the couch with your hubby and cuddle. I'm giving you some motivation here. I'm giving you a thought, all right? Rekindle that flame. Light that fire. Um, just bear with it and, and watch it again a second and a third time. Because the more you watch it, the more you understand that it is a story about the miserable ones. Um, but the end message is redemption. And this thought I had going into studying this week for this message as um, Pastor Gary asked me a couple weeks ago, actually, if I would preach. So thank you for allowing me to preach. I had this thought that so many people feel like Fantine in the movie who sings the famous song, I dreamed a dream of time gone by. It's a very sad song, and shortly after singing the song, in the movie at least, uh, she ends up dying, um, contracts a disease, and she ends up dying, but... The thing I take from it is she has a little daughter who's named Cosette. And even though the mother, Fantine, dies, Cosette gets taken in by Jean Valjean, who is this prisoner who was accused of stealing a loaf of bread and spent, I don't even know, 18, 19 years as this prisoner, and he finally got set free. And he... He has this encounter with God, and God says, I've forgiven you. And he uses a priest in the movie to say, it's not about what you can do. God has mercy on you. You can be saved now. God loves you. And Jean Valjean takes Cosette in. And she grows up, and she meets this wonderful gentleman, and, and she gets married. And in the end of the movie, they have this great uh, moment where Fantine comes as sort of like an angelic being singing and Jean Valjean is passing away and, and, and Jean Valjean says, oh my dear Cosette, are you finally with me now? Because they had been separated. Now I can finally go to be with God because I have achieved my goal in raising this beautiful little daughter who I received from a mother who was dying and would have had nowhere to go. Now, that story sets the basis for a lot of stories that I want to talk about and a lot of lives in Scripture that were lived that are, a lot of them are much worse than your life. And I want to actually look at Matthew uh, 1, starting out 1 through 6. Um, just a, a side note for all the graduates, we are honoring you at the end of the service. So don't be sneaking out for cinnamon rolls or coffee, or cigarettes, or anything like that, all right? You smoke afterwards. I'm just kidding. I don't think any of our high school or college age graduates smoke that I know of. 
So, all right, to the text. Matthew 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David. Now, I want to stop. A lot of times I'd like to read the entire passage, but I want to stop and I want to break this down because as I was studying, I found some interesting things that I, I thought were very powerful. You have this list of people, and a lot of them are really messed up. And I'm thinking, what does this all mean, this, this like beginning verse? Genealogy in the, the Greek actually means beginnings, the beginnings. Okay, and the whole idea of this passage here is to set the stage for Jesus in the book of Matthew where the Virgin Mary is going to um, give birth to the Messiah. And what I want you to focus on today is that Matthew wanted to emphasize something. There's a list of really messed up people who you think their lives were almost wasted. You have murderers, adulterers, um, people who are incestuous, and, and uh, people who lied and cheated and schemed and betrayed their own family members, and they're in the list. You have prostitutes, they're in the list. And he says the genealogy, the beginnings of who? Jesus are these people. So, okay, the beginnings. You need, to, you, need to, you need to get your mind wrapped around this concept. That could be you in the list. In every name, there is a story from God's lens. God sees David and he says, I see you and I, wait a minute. Yeah, you, you committed murder and adultery and you, you lied um, to the prophet, and you did all these things, but I see royalty. I see my son. I see a child. So when you think you've gone too far, I bet you haven't gone as far as David. Hmm? I bet you haven't. The beginnings of Jesus, and the Greek word that's used for Jesus is not just the common name. that I mean, that name was common back in the day. It's Yahweh saves. So the beginnings of Yahweh who saves is these people. He took all these broken people and he built his kingdom. He built the eternal kingdom on broken lives because he loves you, because he loved them. And going a little further in the the translation I was studying in, it says Jesus Christ and, and, and Christos or Christos, however you want to say it, actually means anointed one. The Messiah, the anointed one. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said that when I go away, the Holy Spirit will come and you will receive power through the Holy Spirit. You will receive power through the Holy Spirit. And you will be anointed. And you will do greater things than even I did. I always think, what did he mean? I think this is what he means. You're worthless. Yeah, Bob. That's right. Feel encouraged. But no, you're not. But no, you're not. Because the anointed one, Yahweh, who saves the anointed one, he chose you, and that's why you're in the seat this morning. 
that's why you are following after Jesus, or maybe not yet, but you're seeking because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and saying you need to get in this relationship with the beloved Jesus who loves you. Amen? Book of Beginnings. Um, I found it interesting that I'm, I'm reading this and I, I'm going, and I will get into the rest of the text, I promise, in about 35 minutes. Just kidding. But uh, I'm reading this and, and you know, I, I never, this never dawned on me before. All right, so Matthew is a tax collector, and you all know that. But I started thinking, what do tax collectors do? And I'm actually kind of thinking, all right, they're like the IRS, um, you know, and maybe they're kind of detailed. You know, obviously the IRS is supposed to be detailed and go after people like Ray Denhoff and the people that make, you know, run big businesses and make a lot, you know, millions and millions. No, just kidding. But they go, not Ray. Ray's not cheating on his taxes. I, at least I don't think so. Um, that's between you and God. But, no, they're... The IRS in the, in, in the, back in the day, the tax collectors, this is what dawned on me, is that they kept a very detailed book of debts. Are you catching me? Matthew went from a man who runs around chasing people. People didn't want to see Matthew coming their way, saying, you owe the government a debt. And then... Jesus gets a hold of him and he says, you're no longer going to knock on people's doors about their debts. You're going to knock on people's doors about being set free from their debts. Matthew's got this detailed book and he's saying, I got a name in there. It's, it's David. Jesus is the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Pharaoh and Zarah, whose mother was Tamar. Pharaoh, the father of Ezron. And Ezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amminadab. I don't need to keep going. I, I just, I want you to get in this headspace where you can understand the magnitude of the picture that God is trying to give you. N.T. Wright is, I mean, he's not like one of my favorite authors, but I remember reading a book by him years ago where he, he um, and I think he did an interview about it, and it was very interesting to me. He said, I'm not trying to be blasphemous because there is to be no jot or tittle added to Scripture, but he said, sometimes I like to tell new Christians that they need to start to understand the Bible in this way. There's a part one, okay, and there's a part two. And those are done and there for us to look at and to learn from and to read and study and meditate upon. But there's also a part three that's happening and is to happen, and you're a part of it. You understand that you are a part of a great beginning. Say, I have a great beginning coming my way. Just say that. Do you believe that? Jesus has something in store, something powerful. So I come across the word anointed, and it really brings me to this passage that I, uh, I love. And, and honestly, to, to, be, to be totally honest, I didn't love this passage until a song led me to love it. You ever have a song lead you and then you're like, 
holy cow, the words of that song are so powerful. And then you're like, where does that come from in Scripture? And then all of a sudden you fall in love with God's word. And you're like, it took that to get me to fall back in love with God's word. And this, this song I often think is someday, you know, and I don't know if I've told my wife this yet, but someday if I die, whenever that is, I want this song played at my funeral. And it's, it's by Matt um, Gilman, and I was going to play it, but I didn't tell them. I forgot to tell them. But you've probably heard it before. We did a special dance with it, and um, it goes something like this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news, to take away all of your sorrow and your mourning, to give the oil of joy. And a garment of praise. Goes on to say, I have seen you in your captivity. The Bible says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And Jesus read this in the Gospels. He went to his hometown and he said, listen. He got up in the synagogue and said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted for all of you today who feel brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom to the captives. To release from darkness the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated, they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. God has a plan. And don't forget in the busyness of life that your name matters to him. Don't forget that you are in a list that God has made and he loves you. He has something powerful for you. But for every person that feels depressed, feels like you've lost a friend or you're losing a battle right now with a wayward child or whatever it may be, you've lost a loved one this year, God knows your name and he knows the name of the loved one you lost. He's a compassionate God. He loves you. He took each person, okay, David and Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob and all the way down the line and Tamar and, and, and Rahab. He took each person in rotting flesh and he breathed eternity into them. And if you look at their lives, you will find that they were some very, very disturbed and dysfunctional human beings. We live in a world where you're supposed to 
try to dot your I's and cross your T's spiritually. You're supposed to do these things and have a certain appearance. When I look at the Bible, I, you know, you're not supposed to compare, but I think, I guess I'm not as bad as them, right? You know? Take, just, let's just get into some of these stories to open up just this can of worms that God forgave. David, Matthew wants to make a point that Jesus comes through the royal line and that he is the king. And that's great and that's powerful. But beyond that, you look at David's life and it's great. He's just going along, but it falls apart. Because he commits adultery with Bathsheba and he kills her husband Uriah. And then the child that they conceive out of that adulterous relationship dies. And you look at the rest of David's life, and you'll see that there is calamity after calamity. And yet God says he was a man after God's own heart. So when you feel like you're too far, and you feel like you've screwed up too bad, and you're too rotten, and you're too worthless, you're a bad parent, you're a bad child, you're whatever you think you are, you're not too far gone. David was this guy whose own son turned on him and tried to kill him. Absalom went after him, and then David's own men had to kill Absalom. But before that, Absalom actually raped David's daughter. What in the world is going on? But he's in the story. Wow. You're all thinking, I have a license to go do a lot of bad stuff still, and I'm, I'm all good, right? Every time you're like, God, come on, David, you know what David did, right? That's not really how it works. We shall not go on sinning that grace may abound, right? You move on to Abraham, and God made his covenant with him that his descendants would be as many as the sands on the sea. And he lies, he lies about his wife being his wife and says it's his sister, and he almost gets himself into a lot of trouble, and he does it twice. And then his wife complains, and he does what he knows he probably shouldn't do, but he goes and he sleeps with Hagar. And now you have suicide bombing after suicide bombing because of that bad decision. Because his descendants through Hagar, the Ishmaelites, which is the Arab race, which is, has become... Islam through the prophet Muhammad, who's delusional and made up a story about who God is, Allah, who's false and not true. He's a false God, and it's demonic. And that doesn't mean I hate Muslims. I love Muslims. But can you see how one bad decision leads to chaos forever and ever? And I think it plays a part in the end of the world. It really does. The history of your mistakes, I want to give you something here. Do you know how Abraham could say, oh my gosh, look what happened with my descendants because I decided to have a night of giving in to my wife and giving in to my maidservant and having that moment of pleasure with her and creating a child who is literally, as the Bible says, like a wild donkey whose hand would be against God's people for all of his days. And yet God says, Abraham... Is a righteous man. 
Thank you, God. Because you know what? Righteousness does not come out of you. Righteousness comes imputed through the blood of Jesus Christ who died on the cross to save you from the depths of sin. I say thank you, God. Thank you, God. I still remember September 15, 2007, and I didn't pull over right away when I was driving drunk, and I had five cop cruisers behind me. I felt like O.J., I should have brought. I should have had Duffy go with me to court and brought a glove that was just far too small. I didn't, you know, that wasn't me driving. I didn't have my driving girl gloves. And look, these gloves don't fit. They just don't fit. Sorry, somebody's offended now. Who thinks? Whatever. <laughs> you know, I, I remember that day, and I remember the days after, is sitting in a cold, dirty, stinky jail cell with a nasty green Kool Aid to give you, and the OCJ is what we call it in there. Every day we wake up at 6 in the morning, go down and get our brown paper bag. You know, you're so tired because you don't sleep. You don't sleep at all there. Um, there's weird people that are yelling in other um, cells, and you got this thin little mat. And if you take two mats and try to, you know, you try to get an extra mat and make them extra, you know, somebody, yeah, you smiling because you've been there. Oh, yeah. So you try to get two mats, and you know what? They say possession is nine-tenths of the law. And if you get caught with two mats, you're going to get broken down. They strip you down. They take all of your, your goods, you know, if you buy a toothbrush and you buy snacks, and they take all that away, and they break you down, and they send you to max. And then you get a red jumpsuit, and you sit in the cell by yourself. I didn't go quite that far. I almost got sent there, though. But I remember being in that cell and thinking, God, you cannot possibly use somebody like me how stupid could I be to as a dog returns to his vomit how could I be so stupid to get another drunk driving and end up in this place I thought I might be going to prison but God had other plans yeah God had other plans and for your child or daughter and for your parent or your aunt or uncle or who your relative that you're praying for God has other plans he does God has other plans don't give up some of you know people who are getting in trouble with the law because they're wayward right now and they don't know the direction they should be going because they don't understand God loves them he has a purpose for them Isaac repeats the same thing Abraham did Isaac does and with King Abimelech like Okay, Isaac, did, did Abraham never tell you the story that he lied about his wife being his sister? And, uh, you know, like, come on. Come on, Isaac. And you go down the line, Jacob wrestled with God. But he, you know, we remember that good part of his, his story because he wrestled with God until morning. And he said, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. And God blessed him. And he changed his name to Israel. And that was the beginning. It was, it was the beginning of God's holy nation whom he loves, you better believe he loves his people. He loves all people, but he's, he loves his people. And we have all this glorious stuff, but when you look back, he deceived his brother and his dad. And, you know, he did all these things to get the birthright. And a lot of times, you know, I spoke last week at college group. I'm like, how is that fair to Esau? And when I looked at it, I actually, I actually had to say, okay, it seems a little unfair, but it says in the book of Hebrews that don't be godless like Esau who gave up his birthrights for a simple bowl of stew. 
Don't be so short-sighted and wanting to be so instantly gratified in life that you give up the dream for the moment. You have a dream today. You've had a dream. There's a dream that's lying dormant in the cellar, in the basement. There's a dream that got stuffed in the tr- trunk of your, your memory. There's, there are dreams in this room that, that are almost dead. And you know the powerful thing is this. God needs the dream to die in you before he can raise it to life. Sometimes you think, I want this loved one to be saved. I want my, my hand to be healed. I want my sight to be restored, right? Right, Jeff Adams, you in the room? I want God to work in a powerful way. And it takes years and years and years and years and years and years. It's a, I dreamed a dream of time gone by when men were kind when the world was a better place, when my life wasn't such agony, when everything wasn't falling on me. And God says, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. God says, hold on like Joseph held on in prison for 17, 19 years, whatever they say it is. He held on and said, I have a dream. God gave me a dream. I was dumb enough to share it with my brothers, and they threw me into a well, and I got sold to the Ishmaelite traders, and they took me to Egypt, and I got sold into slavery, and I, I, I got stuck in prison because I got accused by a harlot. You know, and, and, and these things all happened, and he kept holding on, and eventually he became second in power in the kingdom. And he saved his whole family and was able to forgive them. There's something powerful in you. There's a new beginning in you. You don't understand. You're the, you're the part of the beginning of God's story. And you're no different than these people because God is timeless. He's timeless. We think in terms of time, I'm too old. The dream can't happen. All right, Sarai, if you think you can't have a baby. All right, give up. Some of you may be almost 100, and maybe you will still give birth. I'm kidding. <laughs> that was maybe that was a, as they'd say at Grace Bible, that was a different dispensation. <laughs> a different, God worked in a different way. Yeah, well, yeah, because people live to be hundreds of years old. Could you imagine, like, can you imagine how long your career would be? Like, okay, yeah. You call Ryan Duffy. I mean, he's only 786 years old, but he's a good lawyer, <laughs> right? Pastor Gary's going to come pray over you. Now he's 802 years. He's getting there. He's almost reached the Methuselah stage. <laughs> Thank you, God, that you limited man's life to 120 years old. And many of us cut that short because we love to eat McDonald's and all kinds of junk, right? My wife was bragging about she loves to follow Kate and the prince and the and the queen and the, you, you would think my wife wanted to, if, if we could, we could, we would move into the royal palace and I would just be a butler and she would just like be, she would help dress Kate and like dress the little kids and she would, oh, she would love it. It would just, it wouldn't even matter if we made much money, just if we could live in the palace and I would be, I'd, it would drive me nuts to be like, can I paint the front or something? Cause I'm bored. Like, She loves to follow them, and she. But what was interesting to me is that she, the the queen, has done something right. Now I, I'm not saying okay, you're gonna go. I don't even think she's a Christian. I don't know if she's a Christian or not. I don't, probably not. But she's like 90. What are, what is she? 
93. <laughs> yeah, shoot for the stars. My wife's like, she's still riding horses. She's still, I'm like, if I lived in 93, I don't think I'm getting on a horse. You know, I'm going to be on like one of those commercials, OsteoPro, you know, like, like, she's met so many, I was reading an article, she's met so many of the U.S. presidents that are, are, are dead, because in America, you only live to like 75. She's doing something right. Sorry, it was a bit of a tangent. Going on, we, we read stories of, of Judah, and if you remember Judah and how vile he was. He was a ringleader to throw Joseph into the well. But God chooses Judah in the midst of his degradation. And if you remember what happened with Judah is, is he, his, his daughter-in-law, Tamar's husband, died and in, in the, the, the custom of the day was to, ha- to provide, the father and the mother were supposed to provide a kinsman redeemer and a, and a different brother, whether he was older, younger, whatever, the next in line. And, and Judah denied Tamar that right. And Tamar, because the custom, other than what America thinks, and we should have small families and slaughter babies in the womb, they actually knew that God's plan and design was it was beautiful to have a large family if that was possible. It was beautiful to give birth to many children. I, I know some people, obviously, in the Bible and now were barren, and, and, and they, they took whatever means to have children, but Tamar was denied this right, and so she goes and dressed as a prostitute at the city gate and meets Judah, and, and, and somehow, I don't know how, he must have been really drunk or something or high, but Judah sleeps with his own daughter-in-law. And let that sink in. And out of her womb comes Perez or Perez or however you want to say it. And, th- and this is crazy because God is always playing these games of, um, it's very important because Christ is the firstborn. And he puts emphasis on this throughout scripture. And in the womb, you know, Tamar is giving birth and, and, and Zerah sticks a limb out first. And they had this custom where they would tie a scarlet thread or a garment around a limb in case the baby didn't come all the way out. And then they, they would know who the firstborn was if they were twins. But what happened was Zerah pulled back in, or, or Ferris must have said, no, you don't, you know, and pulled him back in. And, and he comes out, and he is the firstborn. And out of his lineage, it passes on down. God works through the most ridiculous circumstances. He works through the most ridiculous circumstances. You go on and you read about Rahab, who's a prostitute, and in a moment's time, she decides to lie to try to save God's servants. And she succeeds. You read that she actually is grafted in God's family, and she marries a good man, and she gives birth, and moving on, you see Ruth, who once again, you have a woman whose husband dies, and she stays with Naomi, and, and she, the, the cry of her heart is to, to have a husband and to have children, and she ends up marrying Boaz, and, and I, I just want you to look at 
your life and realize something, okay? I put this in my notes. You think for your lifetime, and God thinks for your lineage. You think for your lifetime, and God thinks for your lineage. So I've gone through all these people. You know what one of David's biggest dreams was? This dream of time gone by. This dream that he thought would never happen. It was to build a holy place of worship for God. But guess what? You know, David could be brokenhearted and think my life was a waste, but God passed that on to Solomon and said, I want Solomon to build the holy place of worship. And so some of you may be older or middle-aged or whatever, wherever you're at in life, and you think the dream is gone, and you think you could never accomplish that which God has called you to. You don't understand that sometime it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't mean that you're actually going to be alive or physically accomplish that dream. Sometimes you're going to just pass the baton, and somebody else is going to finish the race. Sometime it is in how you raise your child that the dream is going to be taken to fruition. Hold on to that. I think about how I, I look at, at our daughter, and I, we have a child in the womb, and I, I sit and I read, and I, I see the things that are happening in our country, and I just think, God, you see every unformed body in the secret place. You know Every hair on our heads, black from white. You know, you, you, you see me when I sit and when I rise, when I lay down. You know every word before it's on the tip of my tongue. You know my thoughts. God, you know everything about me. You know my imperfections. You know my strengths. You know my weaknesses. You know everything about me. And you have thousands upon thousands upon millions of babies being slaughtered. And I think, I, I just, I, I can't even fathom Our daughter is getting so mobile and curious. She just makes us smile and laugh all the time. All the time. And you've experienced this if you are a parent or have been a parent or you're a grandparent or you're, you're going to become a parent. You're going to experience something great. And obviously you probably lose some sleep, right, Brittany? And, um, and maybe Ryan too probably. And lose a little sleep. But it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. And I want you to stop for a minute and think about if that's how much love you have in your heart toward your children, can you imagine how much love a father has in his heart toward you? He uniquely made you. You know, to God, you know, to humans, you stop being cute at, I don't know, you know, all different ages. That's not cute anymore, Johnny. You're 18, Right? Sorry, I'm not talking about Johnny Rasmus. <laughs> I should have used a Bartholomew, <laughs> a name that, yeah. But, you know, at some point we are not cute anymore. But the, but the crazy thing is, to God, we're always precious. We're always precious. I want to look, um, look with me. If you can go to Hebrews 12, actually, if you have it. This ties in with what I'm reading here because you have this, this list of names of people that have gone through so much. And God is saying, I came to work through their issues to set them free. And that they actually are the lineage that led up to me. And you're going to be the people that come after me. What a joy. 
What a joy. And the, the scripture says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, heroes of the faith who have gone before us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. If you can jump, actually, that's good. Jump to Hebrews 11 with me. Now listen closely. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, hold on, by faith, Abel still speaks. Abel still, hold on, are you getting this? Abel still speaks. God thinks lineage, not lifetime. You're thinking it all needs to happen in a lifetime. I've made so many mistakes. I regret so many things. Make amends. Because you know what? Someday you're going to look down upon your children or your grandchildren or whoever it may be, and they're, they, because they were touched by your life at some point, because you chose to hold on to that dream, they're going to carry the dream out. Abel still speaks. He was killed in his youth, but he still speaks. Sometimes, listen, this is the hardest thing that we face is losing loved ones. No matter who it may be, no matter what age they are, you lose a loved one and it is so difficult. But I want to say to you that there's something that we rest our hope in. Because sometimes in God's plan, death is the accomplishment of the dream. You understand? God had a purpose for that person. He took them to be with him. And what you can hold on to is that someday you're going to enter glory and you're going to see them because of your testimony. Testimony being rejoiced over right now. Your testimony. Your testimony. Ray Denhoff brought his dad to church and he accepted Christ. Your testimony is speaking in heaven. And the angels are rejoicing. Thank you, Ray, for being obedient. The Duffy's talked to Ryan's sister about salvation shortly before she passed away. And she was sure that she was saved. Your testimony, Ryan, your testimony, Jenny, speaks in heaven. Yeah? The Bowmans, you're going to meet Dana one day, and she's going to be dancing. And she's going to say, God had a purpose in this. Hi, Dad. Hi, Mom. I love you. Your testimony is resounding in heaven right now. And the angels are rejoicing, and God is looking down upon you. And he's saying, oh, my, I love you. You're my servant. You can be as horrible as David or Abraham or any of them, but if you love me, we work through all things. God works for the good of those who love him. 
Doesn't he? Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus, thank you for what you've done. Thank you. Thank you that it's not over. It's not finished. It's not ending. It's only the beginning. It's the genesis of something new, of something powerful. Because with God, there's no time. It's never over. It could be on your deathbed that you pour some love into someone, that you forgive someone. It could be right now that you restore a relationship with somebody in this room that you've been at odds with or somebody in your family that you've been at odds with. In this very moment, it could be the beginning of something new and God says, thank you for listening to my call. I have your name written down. Psalm 139.16 tells us, tells us this, if you have it, have a moment of silence. Your eyes saw my unformed body, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In his book, God's got multiple books. He's got the book of the Lamb, the Lamb's book of eternal life, and many of you our believers in Jesus, you've accepted Christ, and your name is in that book. Amen. And he's got a book as well that has the days of your life numbered, okay? He has the days of your life numbered. He knows every detail, every struggle, every insecurity, every weakness, every flaw, everything that's going to come out of your mouth. You say, why doesn't he stop me? Because I say some pretty vile things. Because he gave you free will. Hmm? He gave you free will. It's your choice. I dreamed a dream of time gone by. The time is not, has not gone by. It hasn't because God is timeless. He can restore the years that the locusts have stolen. He can restore the things that you have lost. And it may not be an instant timing, but the dream is still alive. Listen to me, the dream is still alive. Your dream has to die a horrible death so you can raise it from the dead with the same power he used to raise Christ from the dead. You know, I'm, in closing, I, I was thinking about this because we still got to honor graduates. Graduates, if you want to get ready, we'll see who's the fastest. And whoever gets up here first, PG and Zach went out and bought a brand new car. It's... Well, slightly used. It's a 1982 Geo Metro, and it costs $196. It doesn't have a motor in it. No, I'm just kidding. I think back to, you know, dreams. Sometimes dreams need to die in you. And I remember when I was, like, 26 years old, um, I was at a point where I thought, maybe I'm just going to do ministry celibate. Maybe God just wants to use me. You know, because Paul talks about you could do some powerful things if you were just single. You'd have more freedom. And maybe that's your path. Maybe, maybe I thought, maybe that's my path. But I had this longing, this urge inside. And I, I just, I was so prideful that I didn't want to share that with anybody. And I didn't want to really pray about it. You know, there's things that you think, God, that's not that important. I'm not going to pray about that. And it dawned on me one day that if God gives you the desires of your heart when you delight in him, then why am I not praying about this? You have to stop and think. There are some dreams, there are some things that you desire to happen, and you've stopped praying about them. 
you've stopped longing for them. There are things that God wants you to long for. They're good. To ask your brothers to pray with you about, to pray with your wife over or whatever. And I remember going to my father-in-law and into his office and saying, I, I don't, you know, I'll do this a lot, but can you just pray with me right now? Because I, I literally had this epiphany that if God, if, if I have this desire to find a wife, that God would give me an answer and provide a wife, you know? And so we, we got down and we prayed in PG's office. And then we got up and there was a knock on the door and it was Lexi. And she said, here I am. I thee wed you, my love. Yeah. Yeah, and not such a deep voice, no. No, it took a while. It took a while. So um, I, was, I kept praying about it, thinking about it, and, and I know Pastor kept praying about it, thinking about it. And so of all places... Okay, because we had the, the yellow box, and we did wedding rentals, and I was in charge. You know, I was like, you can have the white linens or the black linens, and you can get the silver or the gold silverware. It's a little upcharge for the gold because it's a little harder to clean afterward. And so our packages come in multiple forms, and if you would like to see the back uh, trellis, you could get married under there. That would work as well, but if it rains, you can come inside. That's a slight upcharge, too. So total, it'll be $9,567. Um not really, but so I was down at this expo at the DeVos place, and uh, I remember standing there. It's the third day of it, and I am like, God, why have you forsaken me? All these women, you know, you would be shocked at, you know, you think you're going to meet a bunch of young brides that are all real happy and have a good outlook about life, and there were so many, like, four times divorced women that are like, I'd go out, and I'd be like, Hey, ma'am, would you like to check out our venue? It's got, she's like, yeah, not trying that again. I'm like, so why are you here? <laughs> but I'm there and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be over in two or three hours. And there were a few ladies in the church that were helping, but I was in charge, right? And I'm standing there and I'm thinking, God, please deliver me. And I get an email pastor saying, you know, I've been praying and thinking about this, and God keeps laying it on my heart that I've desired for my daughter to marry somebody that loves God and wants to serve him, and you came to mind, and I know there's a little bit of an age gap, but 15 years isn't that big of a deal, <laughs> and no, it's only eight, and I get it wrong all the time. Are you ever have this? I feel like I'm getting so old because Lexi's like, how old am I again? I'm like, 24. No, I'm 23. Your wife ever hassle you about small little details like that? <laughs> okay, I know, I'm on, I'm on a long tangent. Let's get this over with. So the email says this, and I kid you not, I'm like, you guys can wrap this up, right? Good, all right, see ya. <laughs> in the car, I'm like, I never thought about that, you know, because she was in dance ministry and stuff like that. And I, honestly, it wasn't something I thought about because I thought the age gap, you know, was too much and that kind of happened and all this stuff. And I got back and I sent him a long email. And it was the beginning of something that was so miraculous and powerful for my life. Because I look at my daughter and I see my wife. I see beautiful, little, you know, big eyes, so sweet. 
And she loves me too, just like Lexi. And she, she just, Lexi tries so hard to get her to say mama. Mama, mama, tata, tata. I've trained her. She knows that I make most of the money, so. <laughs> so, in closing, I just want to say that dig into these passages, dig into God's word and find that there are so many powerful truths and that God takes people and he rejuvenates them. And he, he draws them to himself. And it's not over. People that are far away from God can be saved, including you. And maybe you feel far away. You are saved, but you feel far away. God will not leave you there. He does not leave you there. Amen? Don't give up on that dream. It's not just a dream of time gone by. It's a dream of the future, and God can bring the dream to fruition.